0: Hi, and welcome to Conscious Working, the podcast. I'm Gret Batfleur, your host and founder of Conscious Working. Having suffered burnout at the height of my career, I prioritized me. I focused on my health and well being and emerged more resilient and with greater clarity. And I had a deep knowing that businesses need to do better. And we're now on a mission to. Consciously change one company at a time. We do this through our leadership program, where we partner with C suite and exec teams to educate them on the eight habits of a conscious leader. We do this through Tribe, our holistic well being membership, to empower leaders and busy professionals to move from burnout to balance to brilliance. And we do this by sharing stories on this podcast. Stories from conscious leaders and conscious experts who are doing things differently and succeeding. I am so excited to share all of this with you. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Conscious Leaders, the podcast where I speak with leaders and their advisors about the world of work. Today is an extra special episode and a little bit different from the guests that I normally have. So today I'm speaking with Julia Buena, who is a psychotherapist, and she specializes in um, the inner critic. She's an author. She's just written her second book, which is called Everybody's a Critic. And this is so relevant. For anyone out there that has ever experienced imposter syndrome, for anyone out there that recognizes that little voice in their head that isn't necessarily always positive, very often it's a little bit um, critical without compassion. Um, This is a great episode to listen to. And as I say in our chat, I was updating her on, you know, when I went back to work, I actually remember having a coach who said, you know, what's that voice in your head? What's the voice say to you? And I had no idea about the voice. I didn't even know it was there. And ultimately, I have realized what my inner critic is saying to me and what she does, how she might try to sabotage me sometimes. Um, And the first step really is awareness. Um, So I hope you enjoy this episode. We talk about what the inner critic is, inner critic versus self-critic. And yes, there's a difference, but um, there's blurred lines. Uh, We talk about awareness, mindfulness. We talk about um, the ways to tame the inner critic. And also some, we just have a nice general conversation. We're very aligned. Jules and I are aligned. Um, So here we go over to the episode with Julia Bueno. Enjoy. Welcome, Julia. As I know you, Jules, welcome to Conscious Leaders. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Let's start with your journey, your journey to psychotherapy and to your special day. So if you can give us a little bit of a background, it would be great.
1: Sure. Well, actually, um, my journey was to psychotherapy is probably... I don't know it's completely unusual but maybe not predictable in that I started my professional career as a lawyer I um, studied law academically flirted with academic law before training as a solicitor but um, I sort of gave myself the red card before I think the law firm was going to give me one it we were not a meeting of minds or cultures I found I, I ended up in a area of law where I was sort of doing tax planning for very high net worth individuals and I, I found myself less and less interested in, in the numbers and the drafting and more and more interested in their stories and their life stories and kind of family dynamics so that sort of sowed a seed um, and long story short I, um, I I left law and sort of tried a bit of this and that before settling in uh, at my retraining as a psychotherapist um, which is what I do now. Uh, so I've been practicing psychotherapy for for 20 years, um, the last half of which pretty much solely in private practice, having worked in the NHS and various other organizations before that. Um, and uh, one area of specialty I have is around uh, pregnancy loss and infertility, which led me to write my first book, The Brink of Being, and after which I was sort of left... Um, quite uh interested to write another book and quite relieved that I actually did manage to publish a book that that uh strung a sentence together it gave me boosted my confidence talking about we're going to come on to self-criticism but indeed you know that's something that has been a cross that I've I've had to bear over my life and my my therapy um and in fact it was a, a friend of mine he said you know what are you going to write about next? And I said, well, I I don't know. And she said, well, what's the next best thing you you know about apart from pregnancy loss? And immediately the answer was self-criticism. So that's what led me to write my second book, which is called Everyone's Critic, um, and exploring this sort of universal habit. Um, I mean, I'm interested to hear what you say, Gret, but but whenever I mention this book or or the the theme of which I'm interested in, pretty much everyone says, oh, yeah, I've got one of them.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely my own worst critic. And recently I found myself saying that to myself a lot more frequently for some reason, like just, or just, it's the awareness. Now I'm so, aware that I might okay. be criticizing myself.
1: Well, that's the first step. You know, we're going to work with it, um, be curious about it and and try and wriggle away from its pause. we can't do that. As you well know, unless we have that awareness in the first place.
0: Yeah. Um, so bringing a bit of mindfulness into... being without necessarily even knowing you're doing mindfulness
1: well exactly I mean I I think um there are plenty of people who come to me in the room kind of aware that they're sabotaging their lives aware that they can they might use language like you know I lack confidence or I lack self-worth or you know I think I'm I've got imposter syndrome or I think I'm a bit of rubbish or they, they you know might they might have that level of noise but but quite often I'm talking to people who as you say this that that's screened out they're 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 feeling distress and misery and it's that needs to be pointed out to them well hang on a minute there's a sort of extra layer you're bringing to your distress here that that lack of insight um kind of gets what we can call you know a double whammy effect
0: yeah um i'm just thinking about well i went back to work after my second son was born i was promoted into a big vp role where i was managing a big team i definitely had imposter syndrome was like oh my god i now have to manage my peers and I had a coach who said, what is it that you say to yourself? And I really had no idea what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, what? What mm-hmm. am I saying to myself? And then I really started thinking about it. I tried to pay attention to it. And mm-hmm. I got to a point where I realized that like, and I don't know if this is the inner critic or it's the story or if they're the same thing, but that I just didn't think I was good enough for anything. And that mm-hmm. was so deeply rooted for so right. long. I really didn't know that that's what was deep dark. So is that the inner critic or is that just a story that I told myself?
1: Well, I would, aren't the two the same? I mean, if I want to be really technical here and I'm not, I'm not bothered by this at all, but in the literature, you might find that an inner critic is actually something slightly different from a self-critic. So um, a self-critic is, and as I say, the lines are very blurred and I don't want to hang, get too hung up about it, but for example i know i've got a voice in my head that is the voice of a, one of a boss i had early on in my career who was not just by my reckoning by everyone's reckoning in fact i still meet people today who came across his path who who was um i mean it sounds a bit much to so, say but he, he had pathic sent tendencies he was a very deeply unpleasant man and he, he was a bully and he shouted at me and still to this day. 25 years later I can kind of wince and hear his voice in my head shouting at me now that's not self-criticism that's an inner critic you know I've internalized him that uh, when it happens I know it's not me it's just a memory of him going oh so so self-criticism is much more an internal dynamic it's when you're turning in against yourself but of course as I say it's very blurred because if we've had enough external criticisms that's where it comes from we internalize and, and it becomes our own we come to believe it but Going back to your story about your coach, you know, that's a really good example of of her sort of shining a light on something. And and that I imagine being incredibly useful. Um, because that's where we start. And I I, in my clinical experience, it's very rare to meet somebody who, you know, insert lights the whole way. They they get that, oh God, what I'm doing this to myself. I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, it's incredibly rare, it's that powerful. And I can, you know, as I say, I can think of one or two people where they've actually through journaling just looked at the pages go what am I doing but for the vast majority of us that that, that awareness is the first stage it's you know there, thereafter begins the tough the tougher work of dismantling it and and actually you know wriggling away from from the the, the thrust of the content of what it says because it's well and easy to say I'm not going to talk to myself in that way. But if you're really believing it, those sort of saturated with this belief that you're not, you're, you're less good than, or not good enough, or a bit rubbish at this, um, it's, it's, it's a bit more work to be done.
0: So before we get into sort of the steps of how we work through it, um, where does it come from? So you've talked about your boss, that that's something they said, but for example, mine, it did, mine is a story and I've obviously Mm. said it to myself, but it must have come from somewhere. And I I mean, parents are, and I came from like a loving family that my parents were always. So why did I turn out this way versus, you know, or why do I say this to myself versus my siblings who don't?
1: Good question. And the answer to that is obviously very idiosyncratic because we are all, we all have different life experiences. Plus we all have I believe you know different personalities nature and nurture so you might be a you know much more sensitive person than the the rest so you might sort of take on messaging more than the rest but I start on the basis and I write about this in my book that you know I don't believe um although there has I have had an argument with a not an argument a conversation with an astrologer who who really challenged me on this but that I don't believe a baby is born into the world thinking oh god my my thighs are a bit fat or oh my, <laughs> my whale is a bit whaley um you know we're, we're born into the world little you know complicated things but without that kind of level of self-judgment so we 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 over the years internalize lots of messaging and in my, you know, my book is an attempt through storytelling and through kind of fictionalized clients to um, unpack some of the very common influences that I talk about. And of course, there are many that lead people to to become self-critical. I, b- before that, but before going into the sort of storytelling and the possible probable life experiences, it's worth mentioning that you know, um, I'm sure you know this that you know our brains are wired through kind of evolutionary biology to be uh to tilt towards negativity we have lots of negative negative biases that keeps us safe you know much we wouldn't be here today if we walked through the wood at night and heard a crack and thought oh that's Jane coming to play poo sticks yeah. you know we'd be toast so um so it's there is that with that negativity bias that kind of um and and also the, the desire to keep our caregivers near us there's there's some sort of hard wiring in our brains that tilt us towards negative self-criticism that it's e- so for example when we're little um it's it's much safer and easier to blame ourselves if our caregiver is letting us down to say oh it must be my fault rather than mom or dad because um we need we need to keep mom and dad safe we're not gonna we're not gonna cancel them and walk away we, they need to feed us and water us and all of that so that's played out really intensely with sort of trauma bonding. But anyway, that's a big digression. So first off, we've got this sort of neurobiology. But then, of course, you, you've mentioned parents. And yes, one of my stories in my book is um, around uh, uh, parents who um, very much contributed in that, uh, environment to self-criticism. In this particular case, I've got a story of a young girl whose father was very academically um ambitious and pressured his daughter very well to do it you know so she, she learnt at a very early age to, to that her self-worth uh played through getting a stars and gold medals and coming first in the running race and all of that um and a, and a very an emotionally absent mother who, who didn't sort of antidote that and through her absence and lack of praise there wasn't enough sort of an- shoring that up so i i mean of course there are lots of and you can have a quite egregious parenting where you're where kids are actively exposed to cr- criticisms and i've certainly heard some very sad stories along the way of you know, parents uh being very explicit about their um their their kids lack of worth quote unquote so parents and siblings are are very powerful influences but i also talk about in my stories the power of um internalized racism and and sexism and bullying and homophobia and I'm thinking I also have a story about a couple who this is a sort of as I said before a particular area of expertise for me but a couple who really um struggle to conceive and and carry a baby to term and uh, their sense of failure through through not being parents. We live in a very pro-natal society. Um, I've got another story of a, a woman who comes to me in slightly older age and is and is like we said before completely unaware of her self-criticism, but it turns out that actually she came from incredibly orthodox Christian um, family. I mean, I, I anonymize it, but it's a, it's a, a very um, uh, yeah orthodox christian community where you know the 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 men it's very patriarchal and and women were and very strict and very very strict and so she internalized a very strict divine you know god who um even thinking about herself was sinful so it's no wonder she, she she was sort of too terrified to have any insight because she intrinsically felt it to be a very kind of selfish sinful thing so there you go I've just given you a sort of smorgasbord of stories but the point the point I suppose in that is that you know there could be lots of reasons why everyone's journey is idiosyncratic and quite often it's not usually just one thing sometimes it's an obvious one thing you know I was savagely bullied for 10 years by my sibling who told me I was ugly and stupid and whatever or it can just be a constellation of stuff um, and I think you know, I'm sure you do this a lot in your work that there's so much that is unconscious that 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 we take on, especially as, as women um and people of color who have who have just you know, it's the water they swim in, and it's that that on some level they've swallowed a whole that they're not good enough. Um, so, yeah, the story can be of varying lengths
0: um is the inner critic all bad? You know, or is it something that, you know, we all we all have an inner critic and we need to sort of figure out how to work with it in a positive way?
1: Yes. I mean, I agree with you. No, I don't think it is all bad. I think it's I think it's appropriate that we do have guilt and an inner criticism, you know, guilt as opposed to shame um, and 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 healthy criticism as opposed to self-recrimination, sort of self-sabotaging. You know, Where do you draw the line? That, that again is is it takes some discernment but and and our own kind of wisdom but of course it, you know it helps to to have some measure of self-correction when we cock up um and and that we learn from but, but i guess the idea about this this work that we're both in is is um l- learning from our mistakes in a in a a way that's kind of helpful, rather than pushing us down the rabbit hole and disconnecting us and being bathed in shame. And I'm such a terrible person. One way to make it a bit more concrete, I suppose, for me, I think is thinking about the the, the metaphor of, of of or was it an analogy <laughs> of um, teachers. You know, you've got young kids, and what kind of teacher do you want for them? Do you want the kind of warm, um, good job? you know 2 out, 2 plus 2 isn't 5 that isn't right but nearly you know as opposed to the you know yeah. stay behind you're going to do 100 lines which unfortunately you know I'm old enough to have had schooling like I definitely experienced the both and I know which school I, which class I thrived in so
0: it's interesting you say that because well I we have a 7 year old and a 10 year old but um my husband who you know um was like is he ever going to get corrected on these spelling ah. lists- Right, And I was like, I know it's, but we're, we're, we're going in the positive, like, well, we're noticing the, the good things, the teachers noticing, encouraging the good things and not necessarily at this point for the seven-year-old in particular, pointing out where the mistakes are, because it is, it is a school that encourages, encourages over whips the lip, whips the lip, lash, whatever. Yes. <laughs> whatever that statement is. But he, he, because he comes from a stricter schooling background where he, you know, was educated in a certain way i think he was like when are they going to correct him like when is it right to correct yeah
1: i mean and and you know the, i don't want to kind of drift into the realms of parenting yeah. is a is a, it, it is a, an idiosyncratic uh, path it's no i've got no right to tell you how to parent but 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 i you know going back to the original question is inner criticism ever a good thing i personally think yes you know we we do we we live in a society and we we don't all want to be narcissists do we? So. But the the trick is, you know, where, as you say, where do you draw the line and when do you, you know, what is that wisdom and what is that discernment? And I think, as a very general rule, we're in a better place to to answer those questions if we're feeling kind of steadier on the ground. If we do turn the heat down on a kind of really frosty in a climate when we're at war with ourselves, we can get that back on track. I think we're far better equipped to then be discerning about when you need to tick yourself off and when you don't. You know, I I, I this is interesting because, um, you know, lots of people I talk to about this work are terrified to let go of their self-critic because they think it's binary. If I let go, I'm going to become a narcissist. I'm going to become selfish. I don't want to be this person. Um and, you know, I don't think it works that way. And, you know, there's some reassurance around that, that people hold well, on guess, to it very tightly.
0: Yeah. And I guess also the inner critic was there at some point to protect you.
1: Quite. Yes, exactly. I mean, quite often it's, it, it, yeah, more often than not, it was. It, it's a defensive maneuver. We created it to keep ourselves psychologically and emotionally safe. Yes. And letting go of that can feel very frightening. And also we, it, alongside that is that it tricks us it we begin to believe because we we sort of fuse this notion of um productivity and success with um yeah we think well if i don't do that then i'm going to start failing um but well, yes it's a re-education
0: there what about the connection like how is the inner critic connected linked to our ego is there a link
1: say more what you mean by
0: that it's like our ego that does is our ego in any way um linked to the inner critic is it enhanced by the inner critic or does does the ego play into the inner critic in any way or are they totally separate things
1: well i can i mean to use that language a, a, a you know a critic is a, is our super ego <laughs> yeah it, okay it's it's the one that's that's going to grab the steering wheel and says you're going to go in that direction and and as I said before if there's there's a if there's a an early fusion between our sense of kind of self and the world with um with a sort of striving for perfection and I'm not quite good enough and I've got to keep working hard yes it can become a very fused thing
0: yeah yeah um so awareness is key as that's where where you start when and you so, start. you know, some people are obviously more aware than others. What do you do when, how do you work with clients that are really aren't, they aren't self-aware? They don't even know this is happening. So what would be your first steps to help them become more aware?
1: Well, I might be the kind of um, literally the the awareness for them. You know, I might literally sit there in the room and say, hang on a minute. Can you just just repeat what you just said out loud? Whoa. Do you, do you, do you speak like that to your partner, to your child, to your best friend? Answer always no i might get somebody to as i say kind of journal um i just want you to you know either kind of set up some experiment either kind of formally or you know you're going to go to a triggering environment and just sit down and write that out and maybe they'll bring the journal in um what's also before i forget i think it's really important you you mentioned this so your coach sort of provokes you to start tuning in to what you were saying to yourself not everybody hears you know recognizes words I I don't I don't my my inner self-critic is far more kind of felt sense of of and kind of internal attack rather than words but either way really fleshing that out is important just tuning into if you if you do recognize words how do you say it and what's the tone of voice and so that you you know you really get a full picture of what that that helps beef up the awareness so you you can as I, as I say, sort of learn to um, do something other with it.
0: I've also had people say, "You know, like close your eyes and just des- describe it. Like, what color is it? Mm-hmm. Where are you feeling it? Are those yeah?" I mean, that relevant. I, it could some? be.
1: It could be. I mean, it depends on. Some people might kind of run out the room if I say that. That would freak them out. But if you're, it, some people are very visual and they absolutely and it, it helps to work. You know, with. With that if to 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 um beef up the kind of observer mindful position to to personify it in some ways and yes I can think of people who do have very clear kind of imagery around it or or even a felt sense in their body they might sort of have a tight ball in their chest or their belly or somewhere else that but, but yes just um anything that helps to kind of get some mastery out you know the, the idea about writing about it is inherently you're sort of taking control and you're writing about it you're beefing up that that healthier bit um but um yeah sometimes that can take a bit of time because if it's been if you've spent three four decades on the planet um i mean it reminds me of that um you're american is it david foster wallace he that famous story of him talking about the, the fish in the water
0: Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the the you know, I no, are you join the swim boys and they're saying, well, you know, don't do you like the water boys? And they go, what, What's the water? These fish are not aware they're swimming in the water. So for veteran self-critics, it can be the same. They're not aware of the water.
0: Um, okay, so once they have awareness, yes, what, what is the next step?
1: Well, the the way that I work is the next step is is to foster a curiosity about this not going in there hell for leather oh god I've got this bloody inner critic now I can see it and it's sabotaging my life and it's really annoying and going into resistance and fight is just going to backfire and actually it's um paradoxically introducing another critic isn't it you're criticizing yourself critic so we're back we're back to square one and it's really common for people to to do that because it it can be the you know the massive stumbling block in their lives so from the off just encouraging some uh, compassion and curiosity or a compassionate curiosity to combine the two about it so let's think about this where did this come from going back to where we started i don't believe you came into the world thinking you weren't good enough so so why and where and when did you did you take these messages in so that's the story making and that's that's the stuff of of sessions you know whether it's one two three 50 sessions of of and sometimes it might take time because if it's a particularly shameful story if it's a piece that's really really painful um you know that has to be done tenderly but um over the course of however long it takes i think it it, for the most people it really helps to oh okay that's why i do it it's not so it becomes less ideally if all goes well it becomes you know i am to coin a phrase you know i i'm not good enough becomes less of a truth sort of swallowed whole felt to be in every cell of the body to be true a fact to more of a ah this is a belief not a truth and i've i work i'm beginning to work out why it makes sense that i do and I, and i understand why i internalize this i'm not berating myself i understand i was a little boy, little girl doing my best of making sense of the world. So that tends to be the kind of longer piece of work of, um, making sense of it. And then, and then if all goes well, we can recruit all that understanding that we have and hopefully, and this is a really difficult bit for the vast majority of my, of my really self-critical clients, the kind of compassion And kindness and understanding for that to to be able to you know to recruit all that to to help us um disengage from those beliefs from you know when they pop up just go "Ah, you know i see you i hear you understand you but here's your p45 or whatever metaphor works um yeah it's
0: like the awareness and the acceptance and then you go back to almost awareness that it's that it's there, you have to keep being aware that oh, it's popping up again, to then switch it off, or move it away,
1: or or yeah, or move away from it, get more space around it. We can't. Yeah. It is a part of us. We've got to accept the fact that we, you know, it's it's embedded in experience and and stuff that has happened, and we can't erase it or pull it out with tweezers or any of that. And yes, it's going back to the awareness, but as I said, kind of the, the I think the emphasis on on this and it is uh really keeping an eye on your internal climate of of kindness and compassion and understanding towards a self-critic. The game is over if we, as I said, going back, if we introduce any note of frustration or pissed offness or um yeah, sort of t- attack at it, because um, as you you've you flagged up, it was a defensive manoeuvre in the first place, and we were doing our best. And and a lot of times, you know, there there is some stories that really deserve a lot of compassion, and a lot of people find that really difficult. They would find it really easy to throw their arms around a child they know who is being having a tough time. And of course, you know, I give them time, but giving themselves time or giving themselves the same compassion is can often be really challenging. And and sort of counterintuitive and i'm kind of putting a face because it can people can really flinch
0: no i get that because i for a long time i was like i couldn't be kind to myself i'm just wondering how for those people that you work with how do you Mm. help them get to a place of compassion if it's not natural for them gosh
1: (laughs) sometimes uh it takes time it can take it, it, it you know it's not an overnight thing like you don't Uh, rebuilding a relationship with yourself can take as long as it takes to build a relationship with another human being I mean I don't make a best friend in one hour a week Um, so but having said that you know some people might want to kind of help themselves along by being really conscious of this work and maybe building in self-compassion practices for example in my book uh, at the end in the epilogue there's I, I've got a kind of mini bibliography of references of of lots of sort of supporting literature and self-help practices. And you've mentioned mindfulness, but the work of Kristen Neff is somebody that I've Maybe. been a big fan of. And, and you know, she, she, I've been I've done training with her. And so, um, you know, she her work, as you know, rests on kind of mindfulness principles. And I think mindfulness is extremely supportive of, of, of therapy full stop um, at the very least because it, it well. There's lots of reasons why I really like it, but but being able to kind of skill us up to to have that observer position and to have that able that ability to be aware and to realize. So so if so, what am I saying? Is that um, you know therapy is not the holy grail, <laughs> um, but uh, alongside that there are there are lots of practices that we can do to to help ourselves and and, and reading and literature as well. Um, but it, it, it's an it's a commitment. You know in the same that any other relationship a healthy relationship is a commitment we don't you know friendships and partnerships and parent and kids they all thrive through you know actively committing to each other don't they so it's the same with ourselves and it, it, it it's not it, it i'm just banging on a bit i know now but it's Sometimes I take a bit of persuasion. It's not just about showing up at therapy or booking in a yoga course or drinking kale smoothie for breakfast. All things are great, you know, not knocking them. It's, but it's, what's much more important is the, is what goes on deep down inside of you moment to moment, um, and paying attention to that and pay and throwing all your energy on, on that. I'd much rather you eat McDonald's and concentrate on that.
0: Yeah, totally. And actually, well, you know, I'm a yoga teacher, and I love yoga. It right. works. For, it works for. It's a practice that works for me, and I love sharing it with others. But it's not necessarily for everyone. I'm also a meditator. It's 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 been hugely beneficial for me. Um, but everyone needs to start with what works for them, or figure out what works for them, and that's going to be unique for each of us.
1: Exactly. And I'm sure. I mean, I'd be interested in, as a yoga teacher. I I my wild guess is that you have people in your class who still say, oh, I'm rubbish at yoga. I can't oh, do yoga. Oh, totally.
0: Yeah. And I have Which, a lot of people that say, I don't do yoga because I'm not flexible. Yeah. I'm like, well, come to my class. It's not about flexibility. It's about power. Exactly. <laughs> it's 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 missing the point entirely, isn't it? Yeah. No, and so. I'm like, it's not about flexible body. It's actually about flexible mind. And I always bring awareness into it. Like, yeah. Yeah. this is not about perfection at all. It's simply no. like, where's your mind going when you're going into that posture? Are you giving yourself a hard time about wobbling in a standing pose, or are you, yeah. you know, oh, this is what's happening right now. I'm yeah. falling out of my balance. Yeah, what's happening today? Why am I falling out of my balance? Because actually, that falling out of your balance is indication of something else that might be happening out off the mat.
1: Yeah, and it's, it sounds like exactly what I do. It's it's fostering a, a compassionate curiosity.
0: And I like to call it playful, playful curiosity. Okay. But yes. it's, sort of the, it's
1: the same idea. It is. It is. Cause there's a spaciousness around it. We're not going in with any kind of judgment. It's, you know, and that's how we are with our kids. Aren't we? When we, we instinctively, um, have that kind of openness and play, well, kids are so good at it anyway, but with each other, but, um, but when it, yeah, we, we somehow do a, a U-turn when it comes to ourselves. So, yeah and well, that's um, that's, that's an anchor i keep coming back to yeah. always and maybe you, do, do, you find,
0: do you find that people more and more or maybe it's been the same for th- for the length of time that you've practiced that it's, it's like this resistance to self-care or to get because it feels a little bit greedy to to have therapy or to do something that's going to support them they're thinking it's it's actually just for me whereas actually it benefits in my opinion when I work on myself, it benefits everyone else around me.
1: But, but Absolutely. No doubt about that. I mean, that's, if you want to do a PR job on, on self, um, compassion, I would say that, uh, and people really worry about going back, you know, that oh, I going to become narcissistic and selfish, you know, quite the opposite when we're steeped in self-criticism, it's really disconnecting yeah. and disabling. We can't, you know, th- thrive in community. And, um, but, um do what we'll go sorry I didn't answer I was just
0: say, have you seen a, a different in the length of time that you've practiced has there been any fluctuation between um yeah has there been a difference in how people um support themselves and are do people now more are they more do they have more of a tendency to try new things to support themselves or do they think it's sort of oh that's like I can't do that that's sort of pampering and that's well
1: yes and no because you've just reminded me something super important that I forgot to mention before about these influences one of which is I have noticed more and more people coming to therapy 20 years ago when I started people would come in secret you know they were paying me in cash (laughs) because they didn't want the joint account to, to you know show that they were coming whereas now you know, I have people on the doorstep, so I've got to go, I met my therapist, you know, that it's, it's much more quotidian, so there is, there is that, I'm also seeing far younger people than I ever did, when I started out, I wouldn't see anybody, might have been a reflection of my own age, but I'm, I'm impressed, and I suppose saddened by uh, younger and younger, very young adults coming to find me, I mean, that's a good thing, but it's also, I think, a state of the world thing, which is very sad, but what am I also the, but the other thing that you reminded me of saying that is the influence of um social media and online life that, and that I having, to about yeah that. I mean that that has had a major major contributory effect to, to mm-hmm. mental health there's no doubt about it it mm-hmm. comes in the room you know I have smartphones taken out in the room all the time to show me xyz or whatever and um and that i also it, 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 it one of my case studies in my book is is uh i mean she's not an influencer but she's somebody who has a very kind of prolific online life and how you know that is played out um in terms of of her own self-worth but also also just the availability of information that you know you you can be exposed to betrayals and hurt hurt information so much more readily than in my day i'm just so grateful i never had social media growing up but that that's, um, but then
0: our children we think oh gosh how, you well
1: know? we're parents and we can do something about that but
0: yeah we can talk um, about talk about the how how to do that offline <laughs> <laughs> quite boundaries yeah digital yeah. boundaries but yeah.
1: um but but so so yes i think there's i i think there is a raised consciousness definitely of of what we call self-care and what's she but with a note of caution and I write about this in my in my book I think that I have a, 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 a what I would like to describe as a sort of healthy skepticism or just just a kind of cautiousness around the, the self-care slash well-being industry because um, I worry that it becomes a little bit too individualistic and you know going back a few steps what we both agree on is that proper Proper, she says in quotes but the self-care that i'm plugged into and that i'm keen on is all about um community and relationships and keeping us plugged in um but also the other kind of thing i notice is that it kind of backfires because i talk to to younger people who come in the room go you know i'm doing my yoga i'm doing my meditation i'm doing a restrictive fasting or whatever and I'm still not fixed why I'm so rubbish at this so it's sort of setting the bar kind of really high um I'm you know through the distorted nature of all these and I'm not I I don't even know the end of it because I'm deliberately not on Facebook or Twitter or I mean I'm on Instagram and that's about all I can cope with and so I'm not the best person I've never been on TikTok in my life so I only I can only guess uh, what sort of messaging is out there and how distorting it is.
0: For those people that come in and say, I'm doing all these things, I I can understand that because you think, oh, I'm doing all these things to benefit myself, but it's still not helping. And I've been through this because I all of a sudden realized at a certain point, I was like, I'm doing these things, but I'm actually not really invested in them. I'm doing them as a tick. As rather a token, than- yeah. Exactly. So, oh, tick, I did it. I did it. So surely I'm going to be okay today. When actually then I've taken a step, I've cut things out. And just focus on things that actually, this is like meditation now, that's my non-negotiable in the morning. I used to yeah. have exercise and meditate and da, da, da. And that's overwhelming to put that yeah. pressure on me, especially to then want to be able to connect with my children and yeah. have that time. So now I've dialed it back. I'm like, okay, if there's one thing I do, yeah. it's take, and I, I make sure I have time for that because that does really set, set yeah. myself up for the day. And I actively invest in that one thing rather than all.
1: Well I think that's very wise and that's another thing I hope to help people do is to I mean it goes also goes back to this idea of you know I'd much rather someone eat McDonald's as long as they're doing that kind of internal work if we, we can get so caught up frantically searching for solutions looking outwards looking for the kind of externals when it's it it's inter- none of that it's like throwing jelly at the wall um, it's only going to stick if you if you just stop and pause and and really dig deep and and mm. tune into what's going on inside. Um, yeah, you 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 could carry on filling your day with with self improvement, but left to your own devices. Those quiet moments when you're not doing something, if you're still still where you started, um,
0: then what? I'm worst. sure you'd I'm sure you'd agree with me. Like ultimately, we do have the answers inside of us. if we allow ourselves the time to sort of be still or sit with someone to to try to talk it out however you get there but ultimately like we do know what we need sometimes we need a little bit of guidance over to one direction
1: I do agree with you I really and that and that's part of my many jobs as a therapy therapy uh being a therapist is a is a wonderful and curious thing because i think there are many jobs that we we do in the room but absolutely one of them is um helping someone find their own wisdom and i deal with a lot of people who come sort of really believing that they they have no idea you know they they're lost they don't know what they want they don't know who they are and um well i believe i believe them i don't i don't believe it to be i believe them what they, I believe what they're saying and I believe they feel that to be true, but I don't believe it to be true. Absolutely. So um some of the work is, you know, if people just slow down and stop dizzying themselves with what TikTok has to offer. <laughs> um, and then to, to, to be with themselves and and yeah, become tune in and become aware of their internal climate, mm-hmm. then that's a you know really good place to start, I think, getting them, getting people on those rails.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Can I just ask, um, so we work with a lot of businesses and business leaders and their team. I'm just wondering your, um, do you do work with, do you work with business leaders or owners or people that have full on jobs and have started to recognize their inner critic?
1: Yes, I mean, I, I, I do. They come into my practice. I mean, I wouldn't work with them in an organizational context. You know, I'm yeah. not kind of coaching that way. But they might well come to me. I mean, maybe this is a digression, but I suppose I work with a lot more women than men, um, yeah. and that's just maybe because I'm a female therapist. And but also, we know the data shows that a lot more women show up in therapy than men.
0: Um, like my younger practice, like right. My classes. <laughs>
1: right. And the, the the women in leadership roles who come to me might be suffering the kind of quite common female uh, version of self-criticism, which is imposter syndrome. Um, but also, and this might be the digression bit, is that the, the women in leadership roles that I speak to tend to be at a stage in their life where they've got a lot on. They're not only got full-on jobs, but they have maybe teenage kids or kids about to leave home, their parents are getting a bit older, um, their bodies are changing, maybe they're in perimenopause, or, you know, just that the odd hip is gonna hurt or the frozen shoulder, you know, our bodies begin to creak, don't they? So that they have a really, really full plate and winding back a bit, you know, despite being twenty twenty-three, we still are up against uh, sexism in the workplace and racism in the workplace and all of that so when I work with and leaders, ageism
0: now too and age-
1: ageism mm. and ageism yeah exactly um I suppose I'm talking to uh, yes and I'm now immediately thinking of those women who have lost their jobs and are in the trying yeah. To, to yeah to, to recalibrate so um yeah and and sometimes sometimes that work is around kind of permission giving like you know there is i i I do think that women have not all but a lot of us have swallowed from the very very early age this idea of of um sucking it up you know we we have been schooled from the very beginning to oh yeah periods hurt you know just take some neurofen yeah "Yeah, childbirth you know just have an epidural it'll be fine so you know on, on that that just speaks of a much kind of bigger piece of of um of yeah women women suffering i think i'm un, sometimes unduly unnecessary for too long so so sometimes it's kind of permission giving giving telling a very high high achieving successful woman you know it's okay to fray at the age edges you are not a he, superhuman um,
0: it's interesting. Cause I, well, so when I do presentations for teams, <clears throat> I talk about my burnout and I'm just like, this is what I went through. And it's very matter of fact, like, I don't mm-hmm. feel ashamed of saying what I went through. I remember going through it and thinking, mm-hmm. oh my, I'm tougher than this. I would never go. I'm not the person to be good to go through burnout now because I do what I do. I'm, I'm aware that I went through burnout and I, you know, it happens. It happens. So I share my story And it's what people really respond to because just giving other people permission permission to talk about things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, good for you. I mean, that's a a, a generous act and for you to do, but as you say, it's sort of so valuable. There are so many sort of unspeakable things in, in, well, in women and men's lives too.
0: We think they're unspeakable but actually yes. more yes, of yes. us experience these things. It's just, we're not yes. necessarily feel comfortable talking about it. So the more people that can talk about their experiences and yes. show that it's okay. Um. Anyway, that's how I feel about it. No, I'm with you. <laughs> um, I'm conscious of our time. I really sure. appreciate all uh-huh. of your, um, all of your chat, our conversation. Sure. Um. Delighted. If people do want to find you since you're not uh. on, Any of those other platforms.
1: (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm on Instagram, so, um, there is that I'd only share sort of books actually, but I have my own website. So that's my name, juliabueno.co.uk. Um, and that's, you should have, find details of the two books I've read, which are all good bookshops. Um,
0: We will put your link to your website in the show notes. We'll also put a link to the books as well. Um, Everyone's everyone's mm-hmm. a critic. Everyone's a critic. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess just you know what if just the final final question is you know if someone if someone is really feeling like I really need some help with this what mm-hmm. is that what's the you know how do they and they're not in the UK or whatever how mm-hmm. could they what how could they find the right person to talk to as a therapist? Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, that sometimes. A scary bit of like where do i go uh that's a minefield um oh, i've just been
1: talking about it this morning but i mean in the uk and i can only speak for the uk because i i don't know of other countries but um there are kind of professional organizations that i would always go for okay back up a bit in the uk psychotherapy is not regulated by statute um and but there's the the next best thing is that the there is a regulatory authority called the professional standards authority that have rubber stamped some professional organisations mainly two ukcp bacp which means that every single therapist who are are um, accredited or by them have done a you know a proper sound robust training they keep up their cpd and there's also a complaints procedure in the event of them being uh professional, it's really important to get because it is perfectly legal if I get struck off today I could set up tomorrow
0: oh wow saying
1: okay. I'm a psychotherapist but I would just wouldn't be able to say I'm UKCP registered okay um, so look for those look specific. for the professional registration rubber stamping um, Okay, and having said that just backing up if somebody is recognizes those I, I think and I I think um the literature of paul gilbert who's uh, or or kristin neff i would recommend them just to get going with start their books yeah um i've i've had people come to me clutching one of those and said you know that's got me going but um but you might well need the help of a therapist or counselor as i say if you do need to process um some more kind of sticky stuff or, or indeed traumatic stuff that has contributed because self-criticism taken to to the extreme obviously, you know, I'm sure you can imagine can cause really grave mental illness. So um, doing that alone might not be advisable.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Julia. Not at
1: all. It's lovely. I could her all day.
0: <laughs> a pleasure to talk to you. And I know that our listeners will also get huge benefit out oh, of this conversation. So well, thank you. There's hope. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you in the next episode. And by the way, if you like what you heard, then hit subscribe to receive all the future episodes. Better yet, if you're feeling inspired by what you just heard, then leave a review letting me know who else you might want to hear from on Conscious Leaders. To learn more about the show, about Conscious Working, or Tribe, our membership, head over to our website, consciousworking.co yes, it's just CO. So consciousworking.co. And for those of you that might be suffering burnout, we have a great free resource, the Beat Burnout Guide. It's a really simple assessment with tools for you to take action now. Check it out in the show notes so that you can access it immediately. See you in the next episode. Be here and be well.